I had to learn everything about the boat and it's always very difficult in that environment because the people that are winning at that time don't really obviously want to tell you what they're doing so you're kind of trying to learn from everybody without them telling you Welcome back to the Kelly Lumber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert on a personal mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different, or just show up as the best person that they aspire to be. I love all your messages, your tags on Instagram story, on LinkedIn that say you've been inspired by something or you've enjoyed an episode or a guest has said something that's been a complete game changer for you. So keep them coming. It really makes my day and the guests that have been on the show knowing that it's had an impact. So thank you for being one of my five a day. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts or come and say hi on Instagram if you haven't already. I love meeting those who have enjoyed content and just want to learn more. Well, talking of learning more, in today's episode, I speak to Briar Prestige and we talk about her experience from moving from a super small town in New Zealand to making her business career that spans across Dubai, New York, Saudi Arabia, London and Australia all a success. Now, I've worked with Barra many times. I've been on her podcasts and I've learned that no project for her is too challenging. She always finds a way to make business work, balance, grow and take things to the next level, including taking on the most recent projects, which is launching her label, which is a collection of premium power suits, which I've actually been one of the initial ambassadors for, the Black Tuxedo, which I absolutely love, posted it many times on social media. And Briar is also a CEO of the Prestige Group, which is a personal branding, PR and media production agency. And we cover so much in this episode about what it takes to succeed, lessons learned, skill sets that will work and help you grow your business and your brand. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Pippa. It's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to meet you. You haven't done many, have you done any podcasts yet? Never done a podcast. Listen to podcasts, but haven't ever done one. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, just a bit of an intro as to how this actually came about. So, you're friends with Catherine. Catherine is someone I've been working with for the past 12 months, working with her and her business and her personal brand. And she dropped me this email and said, I think you need to meet my friend, Pippa. And then she gave me this little bit of a bio about you. And I was like, I would love to. And this was during the Olympics that she sent me this. So, without me kind of spoiling anything, why don't you kind of give people a little bit about who you are, what you've done, and we'll just pick up some questions and have a bit of a conversation from that. Okay, well, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I started sailing when I was about eight back in England, and my parents were very into sailing. I wasn't really that interested at the time, but they used to take me and my older sister. And then I I just suddenly got into it and started racing and doing really well. And then from that point, I obviously enjoyed the racing and one thing led to another and I ended up going for the Olympics basically but yeah it was all it was all in quite a compressed amount of time it was quite an intense period of my life I guess because you were 18 when you went to the was that right or you went 18 to go and start training for for the Olympics was that right yeah so at 18 I went full-time I had the opportunity we're really lucky in England that we have good sports funding through the lottery 
So or sailing, I, though, I remember. Because uh, is it not sailing has good funding and rowing has good funding, but other sports don't, do they? Um, mostly it's dependent on medals. So that's the hard thing. If you win medals uh-huh. at the Olympics, the next Olympic cycle, you get more funding. But obviously it's hard to get medals without the funding. So that's, yeah, we had a really successful team back in Athens, really, and Sydney. Um, and then we, from that point, had good funding. So I had the opportunity to join the Olympic development squad. And I suppose I've, I've always obviously wanted to go to the Olympics, but I never, I never thought that I could. So that was like, for me, obviously a big wide open door. So I thought I was 18. I, the university said that I could defer, so I just decided to go for it and see what happened. And that see what happens resulted in a? Gold medal, yeah. <laughs> awesome, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, that is just so cool to come home with, um, you know, a medal full stop, but to come home with a gold medal. So maybe just to explain a little bit more, were you part of a team? Were you solo? Because I know there's different categories for the sailing. Yeah, exactly. So when I started full time, I was sailing a boat called a 470, which is with one other person. Um, but that's a really difficult thing to get the team right, as well as obviously I was completely learning a new boat. It was a really steep learning curve. And then two years into it, I got asked to join a, another team. Or well, I think actually one year into it, I did. And I waited a year because I wanted to progress myself. And then I went and joined their team. And then we were basically on the podium every event that we did. So that was, I feel like we're so fortunate, we feel so fortunate now in hindsight that we were such a good team. Maybe at the time we didn't realise that because there's three girls um, and we all very different in personality and strength. Um, so obviously that's why it worked. But at the time we didn't probably appreciate that as much as we do now. I've got so many questions. So we've got we've got the fundamentals out of the way. Um, uh, we've got a gold medal. Let's, let's backtrack a little bit because... You know, you said that it was something that your parents did and then you kind of got into it. Who then spotted? Was it mum? Was it dad? That was like, there's something in you that can take it to the next level. Like, how does that happen? Because I'm sure people are listening. You've got kids. They're like, oh, I'd love my kid to be a golf, you know, Olympic or, you know, how, how is it you, you just know that you've got something special? Yeah, that's a good question as well, because I've got kids now, obviously. So I'm I'm on the other side of it thinking, oh, what do I do with my kids? Um, <laughs> I, it was really, it was really more like luck than judgment, I think, because my older sister sailed and then I actually didn't really like sailing to start with. And then I just, I think I was just naturally very good at it. And I guess, as you say, like if you've got a child that's naturally good at it, my parents obviously did a good job of opening doors for me like they took me sailing at the weekends like in my local area sailing was a big sport so I suppose that's one thing being in an area where yeah locality I suppose yeah um and then we at the sailing club we raced every weekend we had loads of the parents were helping do racing and then from that I started winning things and then we have in the UK you have like a British tour I guess Mm -hmm. even even for the kids so we traveled to the different events around the country so obviously my parents put a lot of effort and time into taking me to these places plonking me there with my boat and saying on you go which yeah if they hadn't done that I wouldn't be where I am today so for sure I think they facilitated my talent by putting me in the in the mix I guess of the national competitions and then when I did well nationally that then led to international competitions which led to squads and olympic opportunities yeah where at what point did you think, oh, this 
the Olympics could actually be real. Like, what were you doing? Where were you? Like, was there, was there that moment where you're like, oh, wow, this actually could happen? I do remember watching the, must have been the Sydney Olympics, I think, when I was really little, where I learned to sail. And I just remember being like, wow, that's so cool. Like, watching them, it's such an untouchable amazing thing I remember thinking that but I never thought I could do that and then I guess four years on I watched the Athens Olympics and that was like I was probably about I don't know 14 or 16 and still I didn't think that I could do it but I was inspired by it obviously and then and then I guess once I started winning stuff at that level I was like oh I could actually do this and the RYA which is our governing body was so good to me and they invited me to join the Olympic development squad and I was like oh maybe I could do this and then obviously as soon as I joined that that's when I wanted to win gold that was all I wanted to do and they they are obviously good at getting that out of you but yeah I suppose it wasn't like a burning desire for the longest period of time I just wanted to be really good and I think that's in my personality that I want to be good at what I was doing and then one thing led to another really. But then as soon as you knew it was within sight, as in there is an opportunity, it's like, this is what I'm going for and this is what I want to win. Exactly, yeah. And, and what were the kind of things that helped with that sort of mindset? I mean, you know, I guess sailing, you know, you know, daily exercises, like what kind of things, if you've got that goal, helped you get to that point? Yeah, I think that was a big transition for me is obviously becoming more professional about it. Mm-hmm. Growing up, it was what I did at the weekends. We obviously wanted to be the best, but we weren't. Everyone was at school and still had other things going on. So it was it was learning to be professional, as you say, learning how to structure like a gym program and go repeatedly to make gains. And then obviously, it was a big learning curve for me when I first started. It was in a new boat. I had to learn everything about the boat and it's always very difficult in that environment because the people that are winning at that time don't really obviously want to tell you what they're doing so you're kind of trying to learn from everybody without them telling you and yeah I think you're just learning to we always talk about never leaving a stone unturned you know trying to address every area of being the best to try and be the best in every area and obviously it's everybody's trying to do that so you have to try to go the extra mile, put the extra hours in when other people won't day after day after day. You know, I think a lot of people think at the Olympics you turn up and run your fastest race, but it isn't, it isn't like that. It's just about daily life, ticking all the boxes and going that extra mile consistently, you know. And I think so much of what you said, like everything that you were saying, you're thinking from being professional as an athlete, but I'm thinking... All of those things are when you decide you want to take your business to the next level. You know, when you said, oh, like leaving no stone unturned, that is business, looking for every single opportunity. You know, even from that first aspect that you'd said about, you know, getting a gym routine together, like having that super healthy um, morning or evening routine, whatever works for you the best, but making sure you're mentally in the right place to go professional in your business, but professional as an athlete, learning from others. So it's like sourcing mentors, you know, just learning from other people within the community. So I think there's so much from athletes that can be applied in business. Yeah, I have to say, I think that's something I've learned more recently, because when you stop, that's another topic. When I stopped the sport, then I was suddenly like, oh, I don't know what other people do in the real world. Like I have no idea how to 
be normal in the real world but um as what, you age, said, what age were you when that happened so you you did you got your gold medal at what age 22 that's so young though yeah so young and then that's obviously what I wanted but it's funny I saw something recently that one of the sports psychologists was talking about this sort of phenomenon that the bronze medalist is almost like the happiest person because the gold medalist feels the pressure to be that good or in my case I lost my goal like I got my goal and then that that was really tough for me and the silver medalist annoyed that they didn't get gold because it was so close and the bronze medalist was really happy that they didn't get fourth you know that they got a medal and that they can still progress that's so interesting there's a lot in that's what makes you happy maybe is to have something to progress to and work towards and that's what they were talking about this phenomenon that they're still in that place the bronze medalist so yeah I find that really interesting so how come you didn't go and compete again for the next Olympics or? Yeah, so then I was, the boat we stabbed got taken out of the Olympics because they do, they basically try and keep it fair within the world. They rotate or change the boats every now and then. So they took the, our boat, the Ingling, out of the Olympics. So I changed to a different class. But then I, when I restarted, I obviously had a bit of a break and then I restarted and I just didn't have the drive that I had before. And I was sailing with another girl who was very good and she's since won medals. And I didn't want to, you know, I just felt like I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for everybody else. So it was a really tough time for me then because I thought I wanted to do it. And then I was doing it again and I just didn't have the motivation. So then I had quite a few years of being a bit lost and transitioning and trying to work out what to do next, really, because it's so that had been like what outside of school, that was my only focus. And then suddenly when I didn't want that and I was lucky I got what I wanted I chose to not be doing it but then obviously I didn't know what else to do and I think that is a really hard thing for athletes to unless you know what you want to do it's quite a difficult transition because a lot of people you know I spent a lot of time doing work experience speaking to people about how they ended up doing what they're doing and everyone's like oh I just fell into it you know (laughs) go for uni and then get a job and then fall into something whereas for me I sort of missed out that whole stage of my life you know and then I felt like I was mid-twenties, needing a career, but I didn't know what career to choose. I couldn't fall into anything because I didn't really have any, you know, skills really or qualifications. So, yeah, it was quite a tough transition. Is there no support there? You know, like, I mean, what, you know, what happens when you come back from the Olympics? Like, is there a support to, to guide you through to the next Olympics? Is there support if you want to transition out? Like, what happens um, when you get back? At that time, there wasn't a lot of support. Kelly Holmes had set up a charity to try and address the same thing. Because when I felt like that, I was like, oh, there must be other people that feel like this, Mm. which was really good. But it depends what you want to do, I guess. Like if I'd known what I wanted to do, I could have found a way of going that route. But because I didn't know, I obviously did, did a lot of work. I tried to work with younger athletes and charities and stuff like that to keep myself going and tried to figure out but I think it is a topic that has come up I've seen it come up in the last few weeks because everybody talks about even if you love the sport you want to do it again this like low after the Olympics and even as a watching it now I feel like there's so much buzz around the Olympics Mm. everyone's watching it constantly and then when it's finished it's like oh back to reality and most people that get on with their lives don't they but for the athletes they don't have anything to do they don't have anything to wake up for they don't know what they're doing next or even if they do know it's a bit of a a big sort of like drop in being part of your, when you're there, you stay as part of the team, you're part of a bigger 
thing and then when you go home you're kind of on your own so yeah I, I don't think they necessarily addressed it as it needs to be addressed but it is starting to be talked about now so that's a really good positive change is that something that you would ever consider stepping into you know taking that Responsible. Yeah, I would have to, yeah. I feel like um I went on such a big journey that I do feel like I would like to offer something, but it's harder. I feel like it's harder being based here for me to rightly or wrongly be involved. I don't really know, to be honest. I don't know how I would offer advice, but I do know that I did go through a lot and I feel like maybe I do have advice to give. Oh, absolutely. And there's so much you could do from that. Even now, given the situation of um, COVID, like a lot of this stuff is still online. So it doesn't matter where you You know that I think you could absolutely do that. I watched, um, oh, Johnny, was it Blade, Johnny's Blade Camp? Did you see that? Um, He's a Paralympian and he took five children of varying ages. It was a really interesting two-part documentary and... But, he, but part of it was filmed during COVID. So it was filmed at the beginning and they were out doing things. And then part of it was during COVID. So they had to adapt to it. So I don't think it matters necessarily exactly where you are. But certainly at this stage to build up, but to have a presence, I absolutely think you you could um, be offering it from where you are. And yeah, then opportunities to fly in. This is maybe why we need another chat, which you yeah, said anyway. You yeah. have said well, before we had this call, you <laughs> said that. Let's have a chat. I think I need a little bit of guidance. So, but that's exactly it. So don't let location, especially now, hold you back from yeah. from from skills and, and experiences that, so that you've gone through. And, and yeah. I, I think the aspect, I mean, you know, not without sort of, you know, being nosy or crying, but the, the financial implications when you come back from the Olympics, like you're not paid a salary while you're away, are you? No, as an athlete, you get, depending on how, what your standard is, you get like um, the lottery give you a small salary and sporting expenses that don't, we had a sponsor as well, it doesn't cover all the money, but yeah, you're not, you earn a bit of money, but not good money, but you're right, as soon as you're not doing that, you don't have that anymore. So as well as dealing with the, mental challenges of the change yeah you don't you need someone to pay the bills and yeah and I think it's really hard because you give so much of your life to your sport like I was lucky in a way that I got what I wanted early I still you know I'm still young but a lot of athletes stop when they're 30 all the you know all my friends are doctors and lawyers and they've got like proper careers and then yeah it's really tough mentally I think to be in that situation Tell me about what happened with the the MBE. Yeah, MBE, yeah. Yeah, so so not only have we got an Olympic gold medal, we've got the knowledge of getting to the Olympics and transitioning. You also, is it won or awarded? Like, how, how do you, what do you say? Yeah, they award it. So award they award it. Yeah, exactly. So for those that are maybe not familiar with what an MBE is, maybe you can explain it. Well, <laughs> member of the British Empire, they I think they they give them to, I guess, outstanding performances and people that contributed to 
society mm-hmm. and I, I do remember it was funny because when I was doing my sport it was always behind closed doors sailing's not particularly sport that people watch it's not a spectator sport anyway well, it's hard because um, they can't be on the water with you you know it's the finish exactly. line, isn't it? and even when they video it no one knows what's going on so <laughs> good thing in that way that it wasn't but then after we came back that's something that I the girls I'd said would have been to Olympics before so they expected it whereas for me it was a shock that everybody obviously had watched us and it was right at the time where the big financial crisis and I think everyone was just so happy that there was like some positive news everyone did really well you know TGB did really well um and everyone was like just so happy for us and we were just like I was just kind of so shocked that it became a very public thing you know and then we were recognized in the honors list given the MBE we met the queen we had a like you a, actually shook hands with the queen or yeah, was she well, we were presenting it for you because often she doesn't do many of them anymore no she actually didn't present but we had a all the gold medalists had a like a tea with the queen kind of afternoon oh that is fabulous at buckingham palace and then we on a separate occasion i went to get the mbe of prince charles i think yeah so it was a really bonkers and special time obviously that i'll look back on and pitch myself forever um yeah I made really special I think that was a really nice thing it was made so special by everybody else because I just felt it was a personal goal and then to come back and be made to feel so it was just really nice that everyone made it so special you know from the outside as well amazing well congratulations on that I haven't spoken to um anyone on the podcast yet who's had an MBE so congratulations um now what was it so now where you're at so you're you're now in Dubai um you moved to you was it did you was it five years ago yeah six I think coming up yeah yeah we've got you've got three three children is that right when I was doing my yeah. my google my google search beforehand um yeah so you transitioned into what did you move into then before you came to Dubai I actually went back so <laughs> so I didn't know what to do and then I did a sports science degree because I didn't know what to do. And then my friend, really good lifetime friend, was desperate for me to sell with him. So I said, I'll just do it for a month. And then they were like, just do it for two months. So I did it for two months. And they said, I'll just do it for a year. So I did a year, then I did two years. And I was just like, I can't do it. It wasn't, I wasn't doing it for me. I was totally just doing it for him. And it's only so far you could go. Yes. In wet wetsuits, competing at that level in 30 knots, you know, it takes a lot of energy. And I just couldn't do it. I was, and I'd always been very honest with him. So then at that point, I'd met my now husband um, and he was moving to Dubai. So it was quite a good, I suppose, looking back on it, it was quite a good change for me to move here. And then the sailing club here, Dubai Offshore Sailing Club, gave me a job. So that was really good. (laughs) They were very patient with me because I did get a job in real estate. And I said, oh, I'd like to do something different. So they were like, okay. And then after about a day, I was like, actually... (laughs) (laughs) real estate and now just even having had the conversation I can't imagine no I'm not for you enjoying I I can't imagine enjoying that no I think as well I could see I just couldn't imagine myself in five years being there still it wasn't I don't think it was right for my personality really so it's good that I realized that quickly the same club was so good to me they've always been amazing to me so they then gave me a full-time job and I worked as race coach and I still work with them, mm-hmm. with the kids, basically. So kids that have learned to sail here, I teach them to race and coach them in racing and try to 
help them progress and reach their potential. So it's, it was actually really perfect transition for me and something I could do around my kids now as well. So it's nice to be able to give, give something back to What's something that you've seen or learned from children, coaching children, that has surprised you or, you know, has taught you? About sailing or just in general? Well, yeah, I mean, sailing in general. I mean, because you've gone from, you know, working and sailing with adults to now working yeah. with children. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's something that you might be, or we just when they see it through the lens of someone different. Yeah, I think what's really nice is like, obviously it all got very serious. Um, and it's funny because everyone asks me, do I sail here all the time? And I, you know, I think it's hard because it's, you do so much sailing and so much time and it is always associated now for me a bit with the competition and the pressure of that and always having to push myself. And that's probably my personality as well. I don't want to not be good at it. So it's nice to do it in a more relaxed, fun way. The kids, you know, they love it. They're having fun and they're always so full of life and energy. That's really, really nice thing to see, to go back to basics and actually remember that it is fun. It is supposed to be a fun sport. That's why people do sport, right? Because um, that transition, that, that, that sort of gap of 8 to 18 when you join the development, it, it's not a long time. No, exactly. It's not a long time at all. And I think as well, I suppose, yeah, a mixture of my personality and also falling into it very quickly. And it became quite intense very quickly in my life. It's nice to have a bit of breather and obviously the helps that the weather's lovely I don't have to get into a wet wetsuit and oh, mainly I don't spend most that, of my days I know. that you just need a gold medal for I can't imagine on a dark winter's day how did we do that as kids you just get on with it don't you and then yeah I know I, I feel like know anything different maybe if you'd started to train here and then had to go back to yeah, the UK it might be a different story <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've also got a little bit of a, a side a side hustle, a little bit of a small business you've started here. Do you want to maybe share a little bit about that? And then I've got another question after that, and then we can wrap up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started just a small business called Bare Necessities. I wanted it to be, I think um, there's certain things that I've, with having kids and otherwise, there's certain things like from England and stuff that is really useful to have here. So I wanted it to be an online platform where you can buy those kind of things. And But it started... As my friend in England sells and makes handmade cars, she's a mum of three as well. So I've always bought her cars and I love them. So actually, I thought, why not try and see if, you know, help people find them here? Because I know it's actually a really difficult and frustrating thing to get nice cards, greetings cards. Um, So I'm selling her cards here now and I'm hoping to start selling eco wrapping paper and stuff like that as well. Because I'd like to go down that more sustainable route of Mm -hmm. recycled products. So that's to come hopefully in the next few months nice but I'm, new, I'm a newbie at business <laughs> what skills do you think uh, you've been able to transfer from the sailing olympics like that whole journey into business now what, what is what's worked really well for you um i think just going for it like obviously i've had a lot of ideas over the years and now i finally just in sport you just get up and go for it right you don't worry too much about what's going to happen after or even if you do it's not relevant so I think just being bold enough to actually just go for an idea what's the worst that's going to happen and approaching people to try and get help like there's something you touched on earlier and actually it's a really big thing in sport trying to learn from the experts basically and not being afraid to do that 
Mm. So that's something that I need to do more probably because I don't, it's just balancing time and family life. That's something for me that I'm learning how to do. But yeah, trying to learn from those that have gone before us and also learning new skills. Like I, I guess in sport, you have to start somewhere and learn all the skills that you need to win. So it's the same now for business. They're not the same skills. So I need to obviously learn website skills and all these different things. Good stuff. Well, I suppose some of the skills are more important than others because I've always found like website skills. I'm never going to learn to love that. So I'll always hire someone else to do that. But then there's other things that we're like, do you know what? What is really going to help me move forward in business? And that might be social media or it might be public speaking or something like that. But um, I'm excited to see the journey. Yeah, hopefully you can help with the journey too. So five years from now, got a question. Where would you like to see yourself? That's a big question, isn't it? Well, doing doing school one and not and leaving my kids at school for a few hours, that'd be nice. What age are the kids? Um, what age are they? Yeah. Um, my daughter just started school, so she's she's three turning four, and then I've got twin one year old twins, so it's quite bonkers in our oh, house. Oh, it's too long. Yeah, younger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So That's uh... a bit. Yeah. But I'd like as well to, I'd like to work a bit more with the, um, I've been speaking to the Indian coach about maybe doing some work with them, with the, with the Olympic athletes there. So that might be an option or maybe even trying to make it a training base a bit here because it's really, in Olympic sailing, obviously it depends where you're from, but in, in England, a lot of the sailors base themselves in a warmer country over the winter so they can train, spend a lot, long time on the water without mm. it being freezing hot. So that might be a nice thing here, whether we can make it a bit of a winter base for a few people and um, help out with events and stuff like that in the sailing area. And then hopefully grow my business, adding different products and making it easy and accessible for people to buy them. (laughs) I love it. So how can people find you? Um, How can they find your new business? If they want to touch base with you on social media, share away your handles and your website. So my um, business is Bare Necessities UAE. You can find it on Facebook and Instagram and there will be a website coming soon. Um, and then I'm obviously on Instagram as well, although I just changed my name. So I think I'm, I can't actually remember, I think I'm Pippa.kp, I think. <laughs> I literally changed it two days ago for my maiden name, which is about time. I was a bit married by this. Oh, so you were, so, which is great as part of your personal brand and everything moving forward, so... Perfect. Well, I'll share all of that in the notes and tag in social so people will see it. And it was great to have you on on board. I'm going to put you in touch with um, Jessica. You haven't met her, have you? No. So she was a previous guest um, and competed for the um, Australian Paralympics. Oh, cool. She does a lot of public speaking in schools and in sort of organisations around diversity and um, challenges based like throughout her journey of going towards the Paralympics. So I think there might be a yeah, that would be Thank you. Is she based here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. It's so, well, isn't it? See, this is this is why I love having a, a nice kind of casual conversation, finding out and you know, listening. I hope someone's inspired and um we'll we'll just go out there and do it. So thanks so much for being part of it and um good luck. Thanks for having me. Thank 
you so much for being here and listening to this episode today. I'd love to know what inspired you the most. Was there something that was said? Was there a real takeaway that you're like, do you know what? I'm actually going to go away and implement this. Then if there is, head over to Instagram because I hang out there and I really want to hear what it is you say. Come and leave me a DM. Tell me the best part or even better, share it with a friend and inspire them too. We are growing weekly and it's all down to you. Thank you so much in advance. Reviewer of the week actually left this message and it made me so happy. Awesome podcast. Every episode gives me an insight into how I can grow my business brand and manage my life around this. Can't wait for the next episode. That was from DKUB2387. So they mean so much. If you haven't left a review yet, then please do head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. And don't forget, be inspired and keep following your dreams. Until next time, bye for now.